Uh, you know, there are moments in our lives that happen. Th- there's a moment, and then what happens afterwards is like an avalanche. You know, the moment is important, but, but there are times where things that happen after the actual event or the moment are even bigger than what actually happened. And I thought, oh, what's a, what's a funny story to, you know, sort of visualise this? Um, one day we were giving our kids a bath in the bathtub and, you know, three of them were all playing. I think, I don't know how many of them were. There were just, just so many of them, uh, too many of them. And so, you know, they were playing really nice in the bath and they were having fun. And then, and so I said, okay, you guys play. I'm going to go get the towels ready, get, you know, post bath ready and whatnot. And suddenly my daughter, Anna, screams at the top of her voice, just, man, dad. And we're like, what happened? You know, did one of the kids fall over, smash their head? You know, did, are they, is someone drowning or, you know, whatever. And you hear this. Zach did a poo. (laughs) And so you just start running, right? You drop whatever you got. You just start running. Because you got to understand, right? It's a small bathtub, (laughs) right? And every extra second that poo is in there, it starts to like get bigger and bigger and starts to... And then once it moves out of the solid form, it goes a bit like... Oh, you know, right. So, so, you know, we run. And i tell you what happens, right? So we, both Mel and I will run. Number one, get the kids out of the bath, right? That's number one because they're the most important thing, right? So you get the three kids out of the bath and then Mel will take the kids to the shower and then start hosing them down to get rid of all the poo particles off them. While that's happening, what's priority two? Get the poo out of the bath, Right, so then I'm I'm there trying to scoop the poo, and then you know putting it down the toilet. What's priority three? Get all the toys out of the bath because there's poo particles all over the toy, right? And so you get them out, and you've got the hot water going because you're trying to sterilize these babies, right? And then number four is what you got to sterilize the bath itself, right? All the water gets strained, and then the bath, and then you got to spray it with like four different chemicals because it's poo. You know, at the end of the day, it's poo. One little poo, right? That one little, the kid was like, oh, you know, just, you know, pretty comfortable in here. It's pretty warm in here. I got one like right here. Oh, you know, like, you know, like one little event, but the aftermath of it is crazy. And all the parents, you know, who've had little kids, you would know it's as crazy as can be. Now, You might be like, that might not have been a great example, but at least I have your attention now. Acts chapter 3 and 4 that we're in is that kind of a passage. There's one event. And what happens is, and I'm going I'm to give you the secret of this. What happens is when preachers preach from Acts chapter 3 and 4, they preach on the event. And that's it. Like the event that happens at the beginning of Acts chapter 3. But actually, they don't preach on the aftermath of it. And I think the aftermath is as important as the event. So we're going to read through, as said, we're in the book of Acts, and we're going to read through this scripture, and I'm going to show you firstly the event, and then I'm going to show you the aftermath of the event, okay? Let's go. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. One day, Peter and John were going out to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame, meaning can't walk, 
from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but I, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Amen. What a wonderful story. Right? The story of, of the, the gospel has shifted from the life of Jesus who has died and resurrected and now ascended into heaven. And it has shifted to now his disciples, his followers and their ministry. And so the disciples encounter this man, this man who could not walk. And you read later in the passage, it's not like he was, he was like 20. He was 40 plus he couldn't walk for 40 years. Now, this man is completely dependent on the people around him. Firstly, he is dependent on his friends to take him from his house to the temple gate where he can beg for money. And secondly, he is dependent on those that are walking past him for donation so that he can live. The man sees Peter and John and says, Hey, can you help me? Hey, can you, can you give me something? That's what this man wanted. For 40 years, he wanted money. He wanted money. And in one sense, it's like he really forgot what his greatest need was. And Peter says to him, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. The first time in over 40 years, this man who could not walk got up, walked. It's an amazing event, and I'm not going to take away from what that is. We're going to come back to that at the end. But what I want to show you, there's a bigger picture of this as well, right? So don't forget, don't forget, that's the miracle. A man that could not walk for 40 years through the name of Jesus got up and walked. But there's more. Verse 9 and 10, we see the first response to this. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you if you saw a miracle? A man that could not walk for 40 years, if there was a guy sitting outside of our church for the next 40 years begging and then one day you came to church and the boy was standing up, walking around, mowing the grass, you would be like, what? Right? So I'm not taking away from that, right? But, but, the, but the first crowd is like, wow. Like, wow. What's going on? Wow. Right? 
And then Peter speaks to them, and he says some really interesting words in verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Peter's like, friends, why are you surprised that Jesus can do miracles? Jesus spent three years with them doing miracle after miracle. And yet when a miracle happens in the name of Jesus, people are like, huh? Wait a minute. And Peter's like, why are you surprised? But we see that it's not only this response that comes from the incident, but actually there is an opposing response. And we see this in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. We see that Peter, while proclaiming the good news of the gospel, speaking about the power of Jesus, it doesn't make everyone happy. And so when confronted by the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law, they confront Peter and John and they ask, by what power or what name did you do this? Because they are curious. They are curious. With what authority did, was this man healed? With what power did this miracle actually happen? And Peter responds in verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter proclaims boldly that it was through the name of Jesus that the healing occurs. The same Jesus that the leaders, these Jewish leaders, crucified. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the first stone that is laid when building any building. 
It's the one, the most important stone because it then guides where every other stone goes. And Peter makes a bold declaration that Jesus is that cornerstone. Now, of course, this is very uncomfortable for the Jews and the Jewish leaders because it is by the name of Jesus that this man was healed. That's where the power is coming from. But that was the same Jesus that you guys killed. You guys crucified. And so because they are so uncomfortable, they tell Peter and John, hey, can you stop telling people that it was the name of Jesus that did this? Can you stop being witnesses of Jesus? But Peter and John reply in 19, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They cannot stop being witnesses. Right? They're not making this up. They can't stop being witnesses of what they have seen and heard. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What a response from the believers. What a response from the believers. Peter and John come back and tell them exactly what happened and they get together and for them, they are not scared, but they are, are even bolder. They are even more confident in this God and in the name of Jesus. And it unifies them. It unifies them even more as a, a, a group of believers. And we see this in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, the God's, and God's grace was so powerful at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need." What a beautiful picture of the first church, that there was no one in need. The unity and love that they had for each other. Now that's the whole story. One event then leads to the aftermath. There are, th there, there are three things that we, we see from this. The first is this, there is power in the name of Jesus. 
There is power in the name of Jesus. Acts 3, 6, then, then Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It wasn't by the authority of Peter. It wasn't by some kind of supernatural medical miracle that Peter, Peter was a fisherman. He was about 22, 23 years old. He was rough as guts. But he makes it very clear that the miracle happened because of the name of Jesus. And the disciples in their arguments with the people and with the, the Jewish leaders say it over and over again. It's the power that comes from Jesus. And here's the beauty. The same power exists because the same Jesus exists today with us. The same power is available because Jesus is still the same. The question, the fellowship question was, when's the last time you saw a miracle? Let's be honest, for some of us in this place right now, we need a miracle. There are things happening in our lives that are out of our control. There are things happening in our lives that we wish were not happening. We live in a world that is broken and chaotic at best. Do we need, you know, Michael Jackson, heal the world? Do we need the world to heal? No, we need miracles. We need transformation. Where does that come from? The government? Good works? Good social policy? There is nothing that humanity can do, even as a collective, to fix the brokenness in this world. There is no name that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. Not yours, not mine, not some kind of institution. You need a miracle? You need the power of Jesus. And it comes through his name and his name alone. It's an opportunity for his power to be witnessed in our lives. It's okay to recognize that we're weak. It's okay to accept the fact that we're broken. We are. At camp, that was one of the, the, the starting statements. We're all broken. Let's, we just start with that. We are. We're all broken. No one in this room is exempt. Every single person is in need. And, you know, you could start going, well, you know, my needs are greater and my needs are smaller. It's all the same. Every single one of us is in need. And what we need is not our lives to just get better. We need this world to change. And that can only through, happen through the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Number two, there is resistance to the name of Jesus. Acts 4, 2 and 3, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Not only is this passage important, that we understand that the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus, can create miracles, that miracles happen, but also because of the same name. This is the very passage where the persecution, because of the name of Jesus, begins as well. And what we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts, it's not all good games and fun. It's persecution. 
We're going to see that as the gospel continues to move outside of Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the, end, to the ends of the earth, some will receive the gospel with open arms, but most will receive it. Well, most will reject it. Most will bring opposition and even persecution because of the name of Jesus. This is a reminder to us that yes, there is power in the name of Jesus, but there is also resistance in that name too. 100%. Every single one of us has people like this in our lives. You start talking about Jesus, straight out, rejection, right? And, and the nice ones are like, hey, you believe what you want to believe. I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. Let's just, you know, let's just agree to you know, disagree. You know, that, that's, a, you know, that, that's a nice friend. You know, I don't know. You, you might have other friends that just straight out like you believe in Jesus. You're you're a cult. You're a cuckoo. You know, something's wrong with you. You know, and you take that even further. There are some people because of their belief in Jesus get just. I don't want anything to do with you, and and the persecution isn't direct, but is elimination. Now, for some of you, you might not have experienced that. Blessed you are. But there are some, there are many, where the resistance that we uh, experience in the name of Je Jesus isn't just opposition, but is actually persecution. This is a reminder to us. You know, it's a reminder. There are people in this world, right? There are people even today. People are giving up their lives for the name of Jesus. Because there are parts of this world where you cannot, you cannot freely Embrace the name of Jesus. Let's not forget that. You know, I think sometimes we all get to church and we all get excited. The name of Jesus, there's power in the name. Of course there's power in the name of Jesus, but there's also resistance. And that resistance can be deadly. And you have to understand this. This is what you're signing up to. Do you know why? Because the message of the gospel is offensive. The message of the gospel is offensive that you are a sinner, that you have offended God, the creator of heavens and earth. You need to repent and you need to turn your life around. You are not your God. That is offensive. That is offensive to individuals that live for themselves because I'm a God. I'm my God. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me. Don't try to control my life. I'm going to do whatever I want. How offensive that is to touch upon someone's individual rights. There's a lot of chitter about that at the moment. It's offensive. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when the name of Jesus that you witness to and that you preach comes across some opposition and persecution. And to be honest, if we're witnessing properly the gospel of Jesus, then we should be experiencing opposition and persecution. The world hates Jesus. <laughs> you know, like... Sometimes we, 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 we like our little Christian church bubbles. The world hates Jesus. It's not just tolerates Jesus. They hate Jesus. And Jesus tells us that in the scriptures, that the world will hate you because of me. But you know what? If you're hated because of the name of Jesus, you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place. There is resistance in the name of Jesus. Finally, there is unity in the name of Jesus. Uh, Acts 4.32, all the believers are one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of, of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they 
had. For those who fully, uh, for those who trust in the name of Jesus, there is family that you get to do this together. One of the most beneficial, one of the most greatest blessings that we have as followers of Jesus is that we don't have to do this alone. I cannot share enough story. I, I, can, I could stand here for hours and hours and I would share stories and stories of people who literally did this, literally would bring their own things and give it to the church and say, use this. Use this to bless someone who is in need. Our church is a pure testament of that. Half these chairs were donated you know, all this equipment was donated because of people's generosity. We have a beautiful garden because people generously came and gave up their time, effort, and energy to make that a place. It's, well, I need to be careful how I phrase this. It's really clean today because. An amazing group yesterday came and vacuumed and cleaned and, and disinfected the chairs. Can I tell you who did that last year? It was our group, my group, right? And I take no credibility inside because I wasn't even inside. But our group, we, we had four high school and primary school kids as a part of our group come and vacuum, wipe down the toilets, you know, throw the rubbish out. Why do we get them to come? Because we're trying to teach them, even from a young age, hey, this is not your dad and mum's church. This is your church. You get to be blessed, but you got to do the chores too. We're trying to teach that even to our young people. You know, I don't want my kids to go, I'm going to dad's church today. I want them to know this is my church. And I want you to know this is not Pastor Steve's church. This is not the leadership's church. This is your church. This is your family. You get to be a part of this. This is, you know, this is what it means to be a part of the community. And we welcome you. We're so grateful to have each and every one of you. But the thing that connects us, remember this, the thing that connects us is not the fact that we like each other. Actually, if, if we kind of, you know, if you actually look around, there's no way that this group of people would ever hang out in, outside of the church. There's some of you, I'm like, I would never talk to you if it wasn't for the church. Now, let's be honest, right? I'm an honest pastor. Okay, I'm going to look at the sky so I don't like, you know, put anyone on the spot. But you know what? You know what I'm talking about. Because you do that too. You know you would never even meet someone like this if it wasn't for the church. What unifies us is not who we are. What unifies us is the name of Jesus and what we believe him to be. But that's why it doesn't matter who you are and what background you come from and what's going on in your life or how you know, pretty or broken your life is. You're welcome here because of the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's resistance in the name of Jesus, but there is also unity in the name of Jesus. Now, let's go back to the beginning. A man that could not walk for over 40 years is healed, is walking, is running, jumping up and down, 
praising God. Now, can we explain it? Like scientifically, can we explain it? Probably not. You know, logically doesn't make sense. Miracles, can we logically and, and rationale, you know, how this miracle happened? Probably not. But can I tell you, just because you don't understand it, just because you can't explain it, just because you can't make sense of it, doesn't mean it's not real. Because the power of Jesus is even greater than our understanding. Here's the thing. The man looked at Peter and John and said, can you give me some money? Because he thought that's what he wanted. But through the name of Jesus, the man didn't get what he wanted, but he got what he needed. He needed the most. He didn't need money. He needed healing. The beauty of our God is this. God knows not just what you want, but he actually knows what you need. Sometimes God doesn't give to us what we want. And if we're immature, we, you know, like kids, we, we throw tantrums and why don't I get this and why don't I get this? And... But God knows you. God knows your life. God knows what's going on, even better than you. And our God is so good. Our Father is so good that he may not give to us everything we want, but he knows exactly what we need. And that he gives to us because he is a loving father. And you know what that is? That's the miracle. That's the miracle. Here's my prayer for you today. I pray for that miracle in your life through the name of Jesus. The power that is in the name of Jesus. I pray that miracle of transformation. The miracle of restoration. The miracle of reconciliation. The miracle of healing. The miracle of taking chaos into order. I pray that over your life. And I don't pray it with my authority. But I pray it over through the name of Jesus. The name above all all other names. And I pray that you would believe that he can meet you today. Amen. Let's pray.